Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. How many of you remember that day? Come on, you remember your wedding day? How many remember what it's like? Maybe you were standing at the front of a church like this. Maybe you were standing at a, you know, a wedding venue. Maybe you were standing at the Justice of the Peace. I don't know. Some of you maybe were in Vegas. I don't know. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, I guess. But like wherever you were at and whatever was going on, I'm sure you remember that moment. You remember how you felt. You remember the words that were said. Do you have this person to have and to hold, to love and to cherish in sickness and health for better, for worse, till death do you part? And you said those words. What were the words? The words were? I will. I do. Some of you say, I will. All right. But, uh, you know. The traditional ones. He said, I do, right? But here's the thing, is that many times we remember those words, I do, but we don't all, all the, always remember that those words, I do, also brought some I don'ts, right? Because in order to have and to hold and cherish and love and to do all of those things, there are also some things that we are committing that, yes, we will do those things, but in order to do those things, there's some things that we won't do as well. And so those are the things that we're going to look at in this series over the next few weeks together. We're going to talk about the fact that when we said I do, we also said I don't to a few things. And to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up there to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. It's actually a chapter in the Bible that is known as the love chapter. It's a chapter that tells us all about what love is and what love isn't, what love does and what love doesn't do. It's read at many, many weddings. Many of you, maybe you had it read at your wedding and we're going to dive into it. We're going to learn some things about what love doesn't do and what it looks like to be married, to say not just I do, but to say I don't. And while we're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of a disclaimer here today I know that a good portion of you stood up when I had you stand up if you if you are married others of you didn't stand up and the temptation would be uh, I'll just kind of tune him out today and over this next few weeks because it's marriage series and we do this sometimes this time of year maybe I'll just come back in a month when this series is over but I'm going to tell you don't do that everybody nudge your neighbor and tell them don't do that don't do that here here's why because even if you're not married Chances are someday you might be married. And even if you don't ever think you're going to be married, that's okay. Chances are you're in a relationship, maybe not a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe a parent, maybe a sibling, maybe a neighbor, maybe a coworker, maybe people in your life that you, come on, how many know all of us have relationships in our life, right? And here's the truth is that marriage can be challenging, but so can every other relationship. Come on, so can being a brother or a sister or a neighbor or a coworker or a boss or, a, or whatever. Come on, right? We all have relationships that we have to navigate and so first corinthians 13 although we're going to apply it to marriage doesn't just apply to marriage it, it applies to every single relationship of our life come on are you with me right and so many of the illustrations in this story are going to be about marriage but every single one of the principles of this series is going to apply to every single one of your life so don't miss a single week all right did I, did I share that strong enough? I don't, know. don't miss a week. All right, so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse number one. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, 
but do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move a mountain, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It what? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love what? Never fails. Man, Paul talks about love and how powerful love is and how important love is. In fact, he says, nothing matters more than our love for each other, than our relationships. It doesn't matter how spiritual I am. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable I am. It doesn't matter how generous I am. If I do not have love, I am nothing. And then he begins to explain what love looks like. And he tells us some things that love does, but he also tells us some things that love doesn't do. And those are the things that we're going to focus on over this next few weeks together. We're going to talk about five I don'ts of marriage or five things that love doesn't do. And we're going to start today with this first one. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. If you are married, when you said I do, you also said I don't speak disrespectfully. Check out what he says in, the, in our text again. Love is patient and kind and it does not dishonor others. Come on, how many know that the way we love people, how many know that the effectiveness of our relationships so many times comes down to the words that we say, the way that we communicate? In fact, all of life so many times comes down to our words. Why? Because a huge part of our lives are the words that we communicate. In fact, I looked this up. Check out a couple of statistics about words. The average American will speak 30, 000, or 30 different conversations a day. One-fifth of our life is spent speaking. If you're a preacher, it's more than that, right? In one year, you will use up enough words to fill 66 books that are 800 pages in length. Come on, how many of you know that's a lot of words? The average man will speak 20,000 words in a day. The average woman <laughs> will speak 30,000 words in a day. <laughs> Dave Ramsey said, with bursts up to 125,000. I heard about one guy and his friend asking, aren't you always upset that your wife is always the one that has to have the last word? He says, no, usually I'm just glad when she gets to it. Oh, I should have been more careful with my words right there, right? But here's the deal. So much of our life and so much of our marriage and so much of our relationships are about the words that we say. Like we speak so many words and have so many conversations. And the reason that this is so important is because words are powerful. Everybody say words are powerful. Words are powerful. The words that you speak in your marriage are powerful. In fact, I like to say it like this, words create worlds. The world you live in is going to be created by the words that you speak. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, I'll tell you where I get it is it's from the very beginning. I mean, think about it. The scripture tells us in Genesis that the earth was null and void and that God simply spoke a word. Let there be. 
and the earth came into existence, right? Come on. His words created the world that we live in. And that same scripture goes on to say that we are created in the image of God. So if God's words were powerful to create the world that we live in, then we got to know that our words are also powerful to create the kind of world that we live in. And if you want your world to change, you got to change your words. If you want your relationships to change, you got to change your words. If you want your marriage to change, you got to change the kind of words that you are speaking. Like the scripture says like this in Proverbs, that life and death, everybody say life and death, life and death are in what? The power of the tongue. So here's the question today. In your marriage, what kind of words are you, are you speaking? See, when you said I do, you said I don't to disrespectful, harmful, careless kind of words because love is patient and kind and Love is, is good with the words that we say, the way that we communicate. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to just give yourself a little bit of a word audit. I want you to think about over the last seven days in your marriage or in your relationships or at your work or wherever you are communicating in the last seven days, I want you to think about this. What kind of words have I spoken? Have I spoken life-giving words or have I spoken life-taking words? In fact, on, on your notes, if you have notes or on your phone or whatever, I just want you to give yourself a score. One to ten. One is life-taking words, careless, harmful words. Ten is life-giving words. Every word that I've spoken has been life-giving. Just give yourself a little, a little mental note, a little score here. One to ten, how good am I doing? Think about it. Just even in the last seven days, my words have been life-taking or my words have been life-giving and here's what I want you to think about if you can't put a 10 there then guess what happens we all have some work to do so that's what we're going to do we're going to work on our words a little bit in our marriage because love doesn't speak disrespectfully so here's what we're going to do we're going to learn three things about the kind of words that we're going to use in our marriage if you're taking notes you can write them down the first one is this first little tip goes like this if I can't say something good skip it everybody say skip it if you can't say something good skip it in fact i stole this point from my mom come on how many have a mom that says something like this if you can't say anything good what don't say nothing at all come on that's mama 316 right there come on you know what i'm saying and i think mom had some pretty good wisdom for our lives didn't she if i can't say anything good I'm not going to say anything at all. See, some of the biggest issues in our marriages and in our relationships come down to words that we said that we should not have said. Because our words are powerful. Our words create our world. In fact, James talked about it like this in James chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make large horses go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in the same way, the tongue is like a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is the flame of fire. 
It is, the whole, it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set the whole life on fire for itself is set on fire by hell. Come on. How many know our tongues are powerful? What does he say? He says, man, just a small bit in a horse's mouth can make that horse go wherever it wants to get, wherever you want it to go. Just a small rudder can steer a giant ship and just a small spark can set a whole forest on fire. And I think about how that applies to marriage. Like how many marriages have been steered right off of a cliff because of careless words that were spoken? How many marriages have been, have been driven right into the storm because we weren't careful about the things that we said? How many marriages have been set on fire and burned to the ground by words that were spoken? See, let me just tell you something. You show me a marriage that is struggling, and I'll show you a marriage that probably didn't put 10 on the word audit. I'll show you a marriage that's filled with people of complaining and criticizing and and cutting remarks and careless words but on the other hand you show me a marriage that's thriving and that's doing well and you begin to look at that marriage and of course it's not perfect in fact James says nobody's going to be perfect in the way that they in the way that they control their tongue but I guarantee I'll show you a marriage that's filled with encouraging talk I'll, I'll show you a marriage that is filled with positive and life-giving kind of words that are encouraging and uplifting and confidence building and James says it like this he says if you can get this part of your life under control then all the other parts of your life will begin to come into play as well if I can't say something good, I'm going to skip it. In fact, this is what Paul says about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, he kind of gives us a rule of thumb, or I, I'd say maybe more a rule of tongue, all right? Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 29. He says, but do not let any what? Unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is what? Say this word. What is helpful? Three of you. Is it not on the screen? All right. I'll tell you. Only what is helpful. Then we'll all say it together, all right? Only what is what? helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen you know i did a deep study on that verse and i really dug into the greek and stuff like that you know what paul was really saying there paul was saying if you can't say anything good then shut your mouth that's what he was saying <laughs> he's saying hey let your words be helpful let your words be things that will be benefit to others. If it is unwholesome or if it's not going to build others up or if it's not going to benefit my spouse or in my relationships, then I'm, I'm going to keep it to myself. In fact, Solomon said like this in, in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. He said, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. That might be the best marriage advice ever given. He who holds his tongue. Come on. Some of you today, you're only going to take one thing home, and that one thing is you're going to go home like this. <laughs> In fact, everybody hold your tongue and say, he who holds his tongue is wise. Come on. He who holds his tongue is wise. <laughs> Don't sound very wise, do you? And yet maybe that's the wisest thing that we can do, is that if I can't say something good, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip it. I'm going to keep it to myself because I know my words are powerful. My words create my world. So if I can't say anything good, I'm going to skip it. Number two, write this down. If I think something good, I'm going to say it. Everybody say, say it. Say it. 
if I think something good, I'm going to say it. In fact, this is what the proverb writer was talking about, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24. Look what he says. He says, gracious words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Notice this. Notice he says gracious what? He says gracious words. He doesn't say gracious thoughts, right? I mean, it does no good if I have a good thought about my spouse, but I don't say it to them. If I keep it to myself, it may benefit me, it may make me feel better, but how is it going to encourage them, right? It does no good to have good thoughts if I don't communicate those thoughts to the people that I am in relationship with, to the people that I love. So if I think something good, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say it. In fact, let me just say this. Husbands, you have the opportunity to plant seeds in your wife's soul that will later become a harvest just by speaking words into and over them. Wives, the same thing. You can plant seeds that will grow within your husband to become the kind of man that you want him to be. In fact, I got to tell you, my wife, she's great at this. She loves to just share just uplifting, encouraging words. Sometimes she'll say, I'm so proud of you. Sometimes she'll just say, you're so handsome. Or you're my man. I'm so glad you're my husband. Every Sunday when I leave, I'll give her a kiss and she'll say, I'm praying for you today. Sometimes she'll just send me a text. Just a week or two ago, she sent me a text. And the text basically just said, I, I'm so thankful for you and you are my best friend. I'll tell you, that, that kind of text I mean, you know, some of you guys are shaking your head because that makes your day, doesn't it, right? Sometimes she sends me texts and says, your zipper's down. I know, she just loves me. She, just, she cares about me, right? And that text is not one you want to get, but how many know it's a good one, right? And that's the thing about those words that we speak. Gracious words are like honey to the soul. Come on, husbands, when you speak those words of your wives, wives, and you speak those words of your husbands, come on, it encourages them, and it builds them up, and it lifts them up, and sometimes they're the things we want to hear, and sometimes they're the things we didn't necessarily want to hear, but we needed to hear, right? Because if I think something good, then what am I going to do? I'm going to say it. I'm going to encourage them, and here's what I would, I would encourage you to do. Don't just say it. Even write it down. Come on, it's one thing. When you're, when you're, come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. When your wife says, I love you and I'm proud of you, that, man, that feels so good. But when she writes it down, when she writes down those words and maybe sends it in a text or maybe gives you a note, come on, that's something that you can go back to and look at again, right? Same thing, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. When your husband, and, so, and some husbands are better at this than others, but when they write you a note or they tell you something, come on, that's stuff that you can, you can take in and it builds you up and it encourages you. In fact, just, just a couple of months ago, this past November, Amber and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Come on, right? Not quite 50. We're halfway there. But 25, pretty big deal. And so we went on this trip together, and we left that morning, and I'd planned this breakfast before we flew out, and I decided I'm going to write 25 things I love about Amber for our 25th anniversary. And so, oh, that's so sweet, right? And so I wrote them down, I put them in my phone, and then we sat down to breakfast, and I shared all the 25 things that I love about her. And I'm like, you, you should have seen her face. And it just encouraged her and lifted her up, and it turned out pretty good for me, too. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> and it was powerful. 
But here's the thing that I thought about that. We shouldn't have to wait till 25 anniversaries and big days and special things to speak those words over our spouse. In fact, here's your assignment. You ready for an exercise? Married couples go home today, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down 10 things that you love about your spouse. And then sit down over lunch or over dinner or whatever you have a moment later today or later this week and share those 10 things with one another. And see what will happen in the way that you think about one another, in the way you feel about one another. When you, hey, if I can't say something good, I'm going to skip it. But what if I think something good, then I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak it. And here's what's so powerful about these words. These words have the potential to create the world that you live in. In fact, people begin to live up to the words that you say about them. They will either live up to them or live down to them. So if you want your husband to be the kind of man you want him to be, you start telling him that he is that kind of man. You start speaking it into him by faith because he will begin to rise to that level of what you have said over him and about him. Husbands, you begin to speak those things about your wife, that you are the woman of my dreams, and, and, and you're such an incredible mother or a godly wife or whatever it is that you are, you are desiring for them to be. You start speaking that into them and over them, and anytime you see them even coming close to that, you start saying those things about them, and eventually they begin to live up to those things that you are saying about them. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, if you want to see it, say it. Whatever you want to see in your spouse, whatever you want to see in your marriage, begin speaking those things by faith and those words. Man, it's, it's seeds that you're planting. And here's the thing about seeds. is seeds, you don't just plant them one day and then suddenly you have the harvest. But guess what? You never have the harvest if you don't plant the seeds. So it may not be tomorrow or next week, but you begin to speak those things in your marriage and in your life and in your relationships. And just watch as God begins to bring a harvest in those relationships. If I can't say something good, I'm going to skip it. If I think something good, I'm going to say it. But then this last thought is this. If words have been hurtful, I'm going to surrender it. James says the hardest thing in the world is to control the tongue. I think that's true. But I think maybe the second hardest thing in the world is to forgive someone who hasn't controlled their tongue. Because words can be hurtful. She said it and it hurt. And he said, I'm so angry. How can I ever forgive? How can I ever, how can I ever let it go? But look what Paul says about in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. He says, in your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You know what that word foothold means in the Greek? I really did actually study that one. You know what it means in the Greek? It means a guest room. In other words, here's what he says. He says, when I hold on to anger and hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness, here's what it's like. It's like cracking open the door to give the devil a guest room in the, in the house of my heart. Guess what? It's going to be hard to have the kind of marriage that you dreamed and that God dreamed for you if you got the devil living in the guest room, right? So what does he tell us to do? He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't hold it for more than a day. Now, I know this is hard to do when you're married. Because you know what I'm talking about? Somebody said something, and it made you mad, or it hurt your feelings, and it's bedtime. The last thing in the world you want to do is talk about it. Come on. last thing you want to do is forgive it. So you get in bed, 
and you assume the fighting position. Come on, how many know what the fighting position is? The fighting position is I'm facing this wall and she's facing that wall. Come on, back to back in bed, right? And most of the time in a marriage, you got two different people in the fighting position. Most of the time, one of, one of them is going to be the silent fighter. Come on, anybody know the silent fighter? The silent fighter is like, I'm turning facing the wall. I'm not, man, I'm not going to move. I'm barely even going to breathe because I don't want them to even have the satisfaction of knowing I'm still alive. Come on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then the other one, they're not the silent fighter, they're the huffer. Come on, any huffers in the house? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I ain't gonna say nothing, but boy, I'm gonna let her know I'm here. <sighs> you know, I'm gonna turn over and pull the sheets. You know what I'm saying? And oh, I gotta go to the bathroom, so I'm gonna slam down the commode lid. You know, she always says put the lid down, so I'll put the lid down. You know what I'm talking about? But what does the scripture say? It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. This is so important. Man, we may have to lay there and huff and silence and all that, for, but before you go to sleep, you let it go. You surrender. You, you give it to God. Because here's what happens. This is so wise that the scripture tells us this because what happens is if I, it may even be a little thing, but if I hold on to it overnight, the next morning I wake up and that little thing grew just a little bit more, right? And then if I don't deal with it that day, it grew a little bit more. And if I don't deal with it that, that day, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until eventually that little thing is a really big thing because I let it carry over day after day after day after day. And so the scripture says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So many marriages that end in divorce or that, that, that have so many struggles started out with little things, but those little things became big things because the little things weren't dealt with. And so the scripture says, don't even go to bed. Come on, don't even even go to sleep. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Hebrews talks about it like this, while it's still called today. Come on, make it right. Surrender it. Give it to God. Forgive it and let it go. Now, I want to I acknowledge that some people, it's little words and we get so angry and stuff about little, little criticism or little, you know, thing that makes us so upset. Others, maybe it's not little things. Maybe it's very big things that happen. And so I understand that. But I'm telling you, holding on to it is not making it better. It's making it bigger. And so maybe today it's time to surrender it and give it to God. See, our words are so powerful. In our marriage, in our relationships, our words create our world. So if I can't say something good, I'm going to skip it. If I think something good, I'm going to say it. If I've been hurt by something that someone has said, I'm going to surrender it and I'm going to let God bring the healing